Dark Podcast, talking all things Disney, with your hosts, L. John Goh and Dave Bossert. Welcome to Skull Rock Podcast. If this is your first time hearing the show, welcome. And if, if you're a longtime listener, welcome too, because every week we talk all things Disney and pop culture with never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and so much more. I'm one of your co-host, Al John Go, musician, podcaster, longtime Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars fan. And you can email me, Aljon, A-L-J-O-N, at SkullRockPodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard. I'm an artist, filmmaker, and author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Al John, yes, how sir. are you? Another, it's, I think this is the last week of April. I can't believe can, it. Can you, can you believe it already? I, I can't. Mean, spring is in the air and, uh, and you certainly know that because oh. of your allergies. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So before we started hitting record on this program, I told Dave, if I look like a Sharpay at the end of this episode, you'll know why we live in the, uh. you know, the Tennessee Valley and in Nashville, all the pollen collects, you know, there's a, always a layer of pollen, um, on my car every morning. And I think a, a layer of it falls on my face every day. And my eyes are like swollen and teary. My wife's like, stop rubbing your eyes. And I can't help myself. So now I've got, it sounds like I've got the sniffles, but I, I take my allergy medicine religiously every day, every day, regardless of season, I take it every day because my allergies are so bad. And even in this new house with hardwood floors, it has helped tremendously, but still <laughs> I, my eyes. I, 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 listen, oh. I feel for you. My, my dad, my, my dad had terrible allergies for years. He was allergic to everything. Mm. So I, I, I grew up with that. And uh, fortunately I did not inherit that from him. Yeah. Well, good for you, Dave. Good for you. You yeah. get, I'm glad you have a, a clean bill of health there. I have to say though, before we continue, cause I know we have a lot of stuff. We've got guests. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, the show is doing great. Uh, we've got tremendous, tremendous, uh, you know, listenership, uh, you know, ever since the Bob Gurr episode, it seems like everything has been just, you know, flying, flying off the chain here. Uh, the Dave Prixma show, Chuck Williams, Ethan Reed, Dean Yeagle, like all these shows, of course, Kirk Wise last week, um, all those shows are doing really well. And thank you so much, uh, for everyone's support and subscribing to the show and, uh, no matter what platform you're listening to, whether you're listening to us on our new our new friends at Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com on the All Talk side, or you're listening to us on iHeartRadio, or of course Apple and all the different podcasts, uh, Spotify, Anchor. Thank you so much. I, absolutely, I got to tell you, thank you to everyone who's tuning in, and we're having a ball here. And I got to tell you, I've been getting a lot of great feedback from folks that I've been reaching out to and booking as guests for upcoming shows. They they've actually been listening to to the podcast and uh, just uh, you know listen, you know, saying that there, there's a a great vibe to the show. And I think you know part of that is just you and I, Al John, because yeah. you know, like I said from the beginning, you and I kind of. Click 
Absolutely. It's just fun. I mean, it's just two people just sitting here uh, shooting the breeze, talking about the stuff they love, which is film and animation and music and uh, illustration, comics, art. And that's all the geekery that, that you want. And uh, we're just so happy to share that with you every single week. And if the rest of the community loves it, you know, obviously we're here for you. And um, and I'm glad everyone's listening. And thank you so much to all of the podcast community as well. I mean, we were on Disney Parks podcast not too long ago, and we just got an invitation to get on the Diz His, uh, which is a history, Disney history um, podcast, Dave, that we're going to hopefully get on real soon to promote the show. But, awesome. um, you know, we, we've got a lot more people that are, are wanting to promote what we do. And, and, uh, so thank you so much to the pod, the Disney podcast community for embracing us. So thank you. Yeah. It, it's really been a lot of fun. And, uh, and again, a, a very wonderful community of podcasters out there, everybody supporting one another. And, and that's what I love about it. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's not, it's not a competition. It's, uh, everybody's carving out their niche and, uh, there's a lot of wonderful shows going on out there. Absolutely. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. But, uh, I know that we have a guest, Dave. You want to give a little teaser before we launch into the news? We do. We In the green room is uh, an old friend of mine, Marshall Toomey. He was a cleanup lead at Disney. He worked with Ralph Bakshi. He worked with Don Bluth. He worked at Filmation. Uh, did some incredible work uh, for many, many years at Walt Disney Animation Studios. So I'm really looking forward to bringing him on uh, shortly. Uh, but he's relaxing and munching down in the green room here at Skull Rock Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you see our listeners provide donuts for the green room, so this is a good thing that uh, he's got something to kind of chew on while we go over the latest and greatest, which is the news. Skull Rock Podcast, ripped from the headlines. It's Skull Rock Podcast headline news. And I just love that intro. So professional from Wendy Snyder from Chicago. Chicago Radio. I love Wendy. It's all a facade, isn't it? It's all a facade. You know, it's, you know, Wendy Schneider's the best. And I know that, um, by the way, I have to give a shout out to Wendy Schneider because, um, uh, because she is, their, their talk show in Chicago is coming to a close and uh, she's still going to stay on there in Chicago Radio, um, you know, in the news talk format, but uh, she is the best. So I, I hope that she brings back Snyder Remarks Radio Um but I just have to give a shout out to Wendy because she's the best. I love she her. is. She, love she's her. terrific. And she did a great job doing all these bumpers for yeah, us. Her and her husband are the best. I love I love them to Man. death. I love them to death. But anyway, HBO Max reaches 44.2 million subs. That's yeah, huge. Yeah, I, th- I think they seem to be very happy with that. Wouldn't you? I would be. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, you know, look, they have premiere content. And um, I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, I'm twi- uh, trying my very hardest to get Kristen for us to add this uh, subscription service because they came out with Mortal Kombat this week. Uh, a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, they had um, uh, Godzilla versus Kong, which is great. But I know that those blockbuster films, which are also really, you know, that are also in theaters too, um, 
Yeah. Well, well, they're well. I guess they're not in theaters, right? They're, they're streaming. Well, first. no. That I mean, uh, Kong, uh, um, uh, Godzilla versus Kong uh, was released oh, day, and right. date, day and date uh, yes. on on HBO Max and in the and theaters, theaters worldwide, right. and and it's blown the doors off of uh, the theater box office yep. uh, for you know really just doing a. I mean, it's like over four hundred million dollars globally, yep. and that speaks volumes, uh, Al John, to the fact that people want to go out and go to the movie theaters yeah we talked about that last week i got my wires crossed for whatever reason but yes um they are domestic box office you get the the streaming service so people have a choice and and how they watch and um i have to say dave for the very first time and you're gonna love this we took boo and jack jack to the mall yesterday Mm. wow it was packed and guess what Mm. the theater was packed you know, listen, I think that the movie theaters are going to come back with a vengeance this year, this summer. Uh, and and it kind of leads into our next story here, which is a uh, traffic jam on the box office superhighway. And that is because there are so many great movies that were delayed because of the pandemic that are all going to come out. As one industry executive said, uh, there's not going to be a lot of oxygen. You know, uh, there's going to be one one weekend after another. There's going to be a hit movie going into the theaters. Yeah. uh, You know, it's going to affect um, box office, of course. But I think, too, um, people are going to find their way to watch the films, whether they pay for it on a streaming service or advance um, advanced, whatever they call it. uh, You know, viewing the the uh, premium premium access, premium access. That's right. So a lot of those films, you have uh, Sony Marvel's uh, effort, Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, which is going to be great. You've got the Soprano Origins pick, The Many Saints of Newark, which I'm sure you're going to be down with, um, mm-hmm. you know, being a huge fan of The Sopranos. You also yeah. have, uh, um, what was it, uh, Dune, that's supposed to release as well. And I'm looking forward to that. Sure. So no, there, there, there's some great movies that are going to be coming out all through the summer, and I, I do think that they're going to be, you know, people are going to be pleasantly surprised at how quickly the movie business, movie theater business, comes back to life. So that, that and, yeah. So that's your, that's your, that that's is my prediction. your prediction. So yeah. uh, as, as this, as these releases happen week, uh, week after week after week. Um, how do you think that, I mean, do you think people are just going to continue to just go? Obviously, you think that um, people are going to continue just to go to the theater. But how does that affect the industry when you have so many releases coming out in such a short time? Well, I, you know, it, it remains to be seen. But I have to tell you, you know, prior to the pandemic, I, you know, I've talked about it many times on our show here uh, that uh, I typically go to the movie theater once a week. Uh, and I try to see a lot of different films. I mean, there, it's not unheard of for me to go to a movie theater twice in a week, uh, to, to see something that's just been released. And so I think that you're going to see a lot of these big films. Uh, people are going to want to see them on a big screen for no other reason than just to get out of the house. You know, and get back into some sort of normalcy of dinner and a movie, you know, date night, that kind of thing, you know. Well, that, that's uh, what that's what we experienced, Dave, yesterday for probably the first time. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago how I 
met up with my family for the first time, you know, and you had met and met up with your mom uh, for yeah. an overdue birthday celebration, four months overdue, but, you know, recently and traveling. And I just wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to bring the kids. We went out. We ate at a German beer garden. You know, we <laughs> we we had pretzels. We had, you know, schnitzel. We had, like, the whole nine. And the kids were happy. I was happy. We were out of the house. I was able to eat, you know, and go walk around and see people. See people. <laughs> and, and I'm imagining you, know, you and Kristen had a pint or two. Did uh, did uh, the kids have half pints? No, they they <laughs> they had their milk, their milk and sippy cups. That's what they had, Dave. <laughs> but yes, uh, we did have mommy and daddy juice ready. There, there you uh, go. We Excellent. did have mommy and daddy Well, juice. look, I I just think that um, the movie theater chains out there need to step up and start to make the movie-going experience that much better. Make it a destination for people. They will come. If, if they if they just go back to the same old thing of having, you know, uh, some, some slack-jawed kids behind the concession counter moving in slow motion and, you know, 100 people online waiting to get something, you know, eventually people are just going to say, this isn't worth it. I mean, I see it at my... Uh, multiplex and people are bringing in their own, you know, snacks and whatnot and bags and, and bypassing the counter. I think that the movie theaters have to rethink the experience itself. Mm -hmm. You know, what can they do that makes it even more attractive for people to say, Hey, let's go to the movies instead of staying home. Loyalty cards. They need more lo more loyalty cards, and I think I think the subscription service model can work out for a theater. If you um, you know, they they toyed a little bit with this pre pandemic, you know, with these mm -hmm. type of um, you know, quarterly, yearly plans where you can go unlimited amount of time, uh, times to the theater, and I think that may be the key. You know, you give people what they perceive as huge value. I think families have been scientifically proven, okay, by um. That, that they go to the theater at least maybe twice a year. And if you make it more feasible for them to get value out of it, they'll take their, their, their families to the theater more often and, and, and uh, buy the snacks and buy the drinks and stuff like that to make it more appealing to families who want to go to the theater. Agreed, but also I think reserve seating. Some theaters yep. are doing it, but not all of them. It needs to be commonplace. I agree. You know, you any any theater you go to, you, you got to be able to say, I'll take those two seats. And then you don't have to worry about getting there an hour beforehand and having to wait on a line and all of that baloney. Yeah. You know, I mean, I they really it. need to step it up. Yeah, I prefer it. And if you have the ushers do their jobs and make sure that they seat you where they need to be seated. You know, mm -hmm. that that's great because there's nothing worse than because that's what how I see all the blockbusters. I go to Fandango, I click the link and I get my preferred seats and then I see someone sitting in my seat. And that's no bueno, Dave. No, no, bueno. no. I agree with you on no that. No bueno. Hey, and speaking of all these movies coming out, yeah. I had the opportunity to uh, get a sneak peek at uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. This is why is I envy you. This is why I yeah. envy you because this you was, get the this cool is advice. a new animated film from uh, from the folks over at Sony animation awesome. sony pictures animation also known as spa uh and uh, <laughs> i love the spa uh, but but they they actually completed this movie during the pandemic and i gotta tell you this uh, is from the filmmakers who did spider-man into the spider-verse mm -hmm. and uh the lego movie 
It's wonderful. And and I watched this film uh, and I was laughing out loud. I thought it was hilarious. It was really well done. The voice casting is terrific. Uh, you've got great design, great production design on it. It was really great team of people that put this movie together. It's going to premiere, uh, I believe, on April 30th on Netflix. It looks really, really good. And I have to say... Uh, the, the cast of voices, okay, typically I'm, I'm all about the regular voice actors doing it. But when you get a cast as funny as this cast, you have Charlene Yee, and she she is just a spitfire. She is just great. And I love her work anyway. She, she was awesome and knocked up and and uh, you know so many other things that she's been in. Good Girls. Um, she's just funny, for one. Then you have Maya Rudolph. She, uh, she's McBride, fabulous. She's Fred, absolutely fabulous yeah. as the mom of yep. the Mitchells. Yep. Mom Mitchell. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, she's terrific. I, you yeah. know, again, Al John, this is a visual feast. It's yeah. a lot of fun. I love, love the visual style that these uh, filmmakers employed. And and again, it's like uh, what uh, was in uh, the what they did with uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, it's distinct. Uh, just visually a, a stunning film. Yeah. Uh, this is different, but uh, they're using... Uh, I think some wonderful techniques, uh, you know, it's a CG movie, but there's, there's some 2d animation elements that are consistent throughout. Uh, and it's really just a great picture. And I would encourage people to see this when it premieres on, uh, Netflix. Yeah. The, the boilerplate reads like this, a quirky dysfunctional family road trip is appended when they find themselves in the middle of the robot apocalypse and suddenly become humanity's unluckiest last hope. And uh, it looks very claymation to me, which I really dig. So uh, I'm all about it. And of course, I'm a big fan of Conan O'Brien. So uh, Conan yeah, he does one of the voices. Uh, Fred Armitus yep. uh, does a voice. I, I mean, it's just really a, a fun movie. And, and if you want to have a, 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 a two hour laugh fest, you got to see this picture. Speaking of laugh fest, have you heard this? I need to watch this movie. You ever seen Spider-Man Homecoming? <laughs> this is OK. So let me give you some context. This is Tom Holland uh, several years ago talking to Anthony Mackie in an interview at Ace Comic-Con uh, being interviewed by Kevin Smith. So let's, let's back this up and play this qu clip again. I need to watch this movie. You ever seen Spider-Man Homecoming? <laughs> I haven't seen the Falcon Oh, no, there isn't one. Sorry. <laughs> so Tom Holland busting the chops. Of Anthony Mackie because he hasn't seen Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> Anthony Mackie taking it on the chin like well a champ. Played, well, played. Hey, hold on. well played. Well played, Tom Holland. So I, I play that because it's resurfaced again because Falcon and Winter Soldier are going into the big screen. Captain America sequel in development with Falcon and Winter Soldier head writer Malcolm Spellman. I'm not going to spoil this, Dave, because I don't know if you saw the finale of the series that, that launched on Friday. I don't know if you caught up. No, I'm not caught up. I, I've only watched a couple of episodes. I, I, I'm i going to have to try and binge watch the rest of it okay. at some point. Well, uh, you must. It, it, that's your homework. Um, because I have to say, I was tickled pink 
I was tickled pink in so many ways. So satisfying. Um, <laughs> almost talked like Yoda there for a minute. So satisfying the finale was, <laughs> you know, but, but it, it really was, it really was satisfying. First of all, um, it wasn't heavy handed in social commentary, which is always great because it leads the people to, to explore the different themes that they have throughout the entire series, the way, you know, black Americans are treated, the way we treat our war heroes, the way the government treats um, individuals and groups and how uh, displaced individuals look, I'm not a woke person, but I can tell you that it works on so many different levels. And that's the beauty of storytelling that there's so many layers to this yeah. that you can apply no matter what side of the political spectrum you're in because it's all about good story and about good versus evil there are there are truths among the universe what is good is always going to be good and that's my thought and, and you know what we're all individuals we that's all right. have opinions we can all sit back and listen to one another well you know? I, yeah well i will say Anthony Mackie is my Captain America. I, I've always been, it's not about black Captain America. It's about Captain America. And I can tell you that Anthony Mackie is a wonderful actor. Um, my wife and I just love Anthony Mackie. We love uh, Winter Soldier as well. We love Bucky Barnes. We love, you know, what's going on with Chris Evans and and uh, old Steve Rogers, as it were. Mm -hmm. And I say Bucky Barnes, Sebastian Stan, pardon me. Um, and uh, it's great. I will say this, and I'm very, very happy that they decided to uh, have Falcon, and we knew it was leading up to this, to, to once again embrace the mantle of Captain America. And it's not black Captain America, it's just Captain America. And uh, Awesome. I love it. And the movie is in the works, and I cannot wait to see how all of this unfolds um, in the future uh, with, once again, Malcolm Spellman you know, uh, at the helm of this. So he's writing... And uh, kudos to Marvel for making that announcement right there on the heels of the final episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, or shall I say Captain America and Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And yeah. speaking of Marvel, yeah. uh, th this was an interesting little uh, tidbit from Variety. Yeah. Fans put up a billboard asking Marvel to bring Tony Stark back to life. <laughs> talk about talk about fan service. Talk about fans banding together to uh, inspire something to, to happen. Uh, I, I would love that. But, you know, I think there is there is future hope for that. You know, now that time travel is a thing in Marvel movies, you'll never say never. And um, I think they would be leaving a tremendous amount of money on the table if they don't bring back uh, Robert Downey Jr. in some way, shape, form, or fashion down the road for Marvel movies. Well, all I can say is uh, don't, uh, you know, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised <laughs> if they do something like that. Do you uh, have any insider I, I don't know anything. I, I, information I'm not, you know, I haven't heard anything, <laughs> but, you know, stranger things have happened, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, anyway, uh, I'm all about it. And for more details on this, of course, you know, we keep our fingers on the pulse of what's going on in Hollywood when it comes to TVs, uh, TV and movies and streaming services. And if there's an in particular uh, topic you want us to delve into for this new segment, feel free to email us and we will tackle it uh, in the next show. Pete, please email us. Okay. I think it's time to go to um, our guest. Absolutely. Let's do it. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. 
Well, Al John, as promised, we've got a wonderful guest this week. He's an old friend of mine from Walt Disney Animation Studios, Marshall Toomey. He's worked with uh, Ralph Bakshi, Don Bluth. He's worked at Filmation, and he had an amazing run with with so many great artists at Walt Disney Animation Studios for many years, working on films like Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. He's an animator, a cleanup key, a cleanup supervisor, uh, a fine artist, a great illustrator. He's, I, I mean, just an all around great guy. And I want to welcome you, Marshall, to the Skull Rock podcast. It's so great to have Thanks you on. so much. It's great to be here. Wow, what an introduction. I love that. That was great. <laughs> I never hear all that stuff together like that. So. Well, you know, I, and as I say to all of our guests that we have on the show, we can't possibly cover your entire career in an hour. But yeah. but, but what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to sort of go back. And what I like to ask our guests is, how the heck did you get into the animation business? When did it start for you? Was it high school? Were you drawing cartoons to try and get the girls? Yeah, I, well, yeah. Um, I, I did that forever and ever. I was drawing cartoons at home in my lap. And I got to go way back. Daddy, we used to go to camp. I suppose you went to Boy Scout camp and all that stuff, too. Yeah, yeah. I found that I hated it. The bugs, the boys, the <laughs> swimming. The, you know, it, it was just, I don't like it. So one year I told Daddy, I said, I don't want to do this anymore, Daddy. Every summer you send me out of here. <laughs> I don't. He says, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I don't know, something else. He, it was his idea. I said, well, you love to draw. He started sending me to all these art schools. There were child, there were kid classes at the Kansas City Art Institute. Mm-hmm. That just that changed my life. That I guess that was forever. Which is a uh, wonder, wonderful. I mean that that that's a world class operation, the Kansas City Art absolutely. Institute. Absolutely. I mean, it was. I had and there I was in the middle of it with my little pad walking around. Uh, but I learned so much, and and Daddy kind of got me on that right road uh, of headed towards it, just to keep me happy. <laughs> it wasn't though he was trying to, uh, you know, you got to go to camp. No, just, let's do this for him. I, f- I fell in love with it. I had always been in love with drawing uh, since I was about three. Uh, went to college. I, well, I, I played football in high school and basketball and track, and I got to be an uh, athletic star, but I was well, always growing. I'm not, I am not surprised by that. I have to tell, I, I want our listeners to know, how tall are you? You're, you're at six least four, six, you're four, six yeah. foot four. Oh. And so when you stand next to Marshall Toomey, you kind of look over and go, yeah, this guy probably played football. You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or it could have been a professional wrestler. I mean, you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so you know there was that I, uh so when i went to college on a football scholarship i decided to be an art major because that's what i knew how to do the football team hated that the coach hated that everybody hated that okay anyway college went on i, I got out of school because i lost my, my knee hurt lost my scholarship uh, daddy says, I don't have no money. <laughs> I, had, I had to leave. I had to leave school. So I started. Where, where, where were you, where'd you go to school? Baker University in Kansas, Baldwin City, Kansas. Wow. 1971 to 1973. Well, I just gave my years away. Okay. Wow. Anyway, <laughs> um, I, I finally got a job uh, after loading trucks and stuff. I finally got an art job at a little animation studio. 
at this little animation studio, they taught me to do the animation, the backgrounds, the layouts, the special effects, these little mom and pop, and paint it and then shoot it. We used to do uh, stuff for Caterpillar. So we would animate those tractor engines all over the place all the yeah. time, which you might have loved. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we kept doing that. But I learned a lot. I learned so much. And then the job was over. You know, it was like, okay, we're done. It was about six months, but I had it. The bug, I was good. I said, I got it. So my buddies and I sit around in Kansas City drinking and fussing at the white man for holding us down, as we always did. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I that. that's what we were doing. Uh, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, we should have got up and gone out and looked for a job, but that wasn't the thing. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to complain. But one day I just said, you know what, man? I, I can't do this anymore. I can't, we got to do something. I, I, I know how to do this job. I really didn't, but I thought I did. So we've convinced ourselves, there's about four or five of us. I was the only one that wanted to be an animator. Everybody else wanted to be a producer, director, blah, blah, wow. blah. We decided to buy one-way tickets to LA. Wow. 19, and I man, whew, that was scary. We bought the one-way tickets in 1977, got here. Within a week, I was, I found Ralph Bakshi's address that was the only place i didn't want to go to disney i was intimidated because if they said no my heart would have been broken and i'd mm. crushed <laughs> so i wouldn't go to disney so i went to ralph backsheets and uh ralph was great we we talked for a long time and then we had this little argument well you can't animate i said but he says but you can draw like crazy i said i can animate he says no you can't i said yes i can no you can't animate. yeah i can't he finally got tired i said you know what i'm tired i'm gonna hire you just because I don't feel like arguing with you anymore. That's how I got my first job. <laughs> how, what, what was Ralph like? Well, you know, I always ask people this because I, I never worked for him. I've only heard stories from various folks and, yeah. and some of them are crazy stories, but what, what was your experience with Ralph? He was real quirky. He, he just had, he, he had a lot of things going on in his mind at all times. And when you walk into his office, that's where his office is. He had all these things going on on his mind at all times. He was funny. <laughs> he was very relaxed. I think he was a little bit too relaxed for animation. I think, you know, he was just very laid back about the whole thing. But man, we were doing great stuff. And he was, he had that, that Disney theory back then of hiring the best folks he could hire, you know, and then just let him run. And that's right. what he was doing. So it was great. It was a great experience. Uh, that job didn't last long. But but you, was, worked at, you worked on heavy metal, right? I worked on heavy metal. We got to talk about that. It's one yeah. of my favorite, favorite movies. Oh man, thank you. I, love I loved that movie. it. I, I loved it. And sequence. That's right. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing because first of all, I'm a big like Dungeons and Dragons fan anyway. But, oh, okay. uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, the fantasy element of that is just amazing. And uh, once again, it's one of my favorite animated films. And when I knew, when I found out you were coming on the show, I'm like, we got to talk about heavy metal because it seems to Let's me just this. like such a, it, I mean, it's not like an under, it's like, it's underappreciated by uh, a lot of people, but man, the fans for the decades that love this movie. And uh, it just seems to me like just so many creative people doing, expressing themselves in those different segments, yeah. like, like yourself. I mean, were you? How did you get involved in into getting into this heavy metal film, and how much of yourself is actually in that segment? Were you able to? Express? I was called by. This was my first time meeting her. At this point, now in life, 
she's one of my favorite cleanup artists that I've ever worked with. I think she's one of the best in the world. Renee Holt called me and said, I heard you might be available to, to help out on this movie. So I grabbed my little two-year-old and ran to her studio. <laughs> I had been working at Filmation, so I had gotten used to the system, used to working mm -hmm. and, and things like that. So when I went to see her, she only had time to say, here are the scenes I have to give you. She was rushing all over the place, but her work was breathtaking. It was fabulous. And here, I, I've keyed a few things, you, which means she did the first and second and last and third drawings. Those are where keys are. She did, she keyed the, the drawings, gave me about three scenes, and then sent me back home. Because my little boy was running all over the place, making all kind of noise, and he was very distracting. I love him. <laughs> I tell him this story all the time now, now that he's old. <laughs> um, but I went back, and it was the first time I had worked at my house in my little animation table with something, and it was personal because it was it was different. It wasn't it wasn't He Man. It was, it was, right. it was this thing, and and and. and Trying to didn't have clothes on in most of the stuff I was drawing. It's like, wow, we're doing this the way it should be. And that was great. I, mm -hmm. I don't think we could have done that without understanding uh, construction and body, you know, the whole. So the, the basics, artistic, the basics. Yeah, yeah. The real basics, which a lot of folks don't get now, those basics really helped. Mm -hmm. Gravity. Now, <laughs> you, you worked you worked on that uh, on heavy metal. And then right. from there you went to filmation. Or did you go well, to I was Don already Bluth? at Filmation, and I stepped away. Oh, okay. To do heavy metal, and then I went back to Filmation. I was at Filmation for about eight years. Oh. So uh, we got a lot. I did every Key Man episode there was to do, but we didn't get credits because I was an assistant animator at the time. Uh, so I'm sitting did, next to yeah. Bruce Smith, who was yes. just animating away, getting all kinds of stuff, but I was cleaning up, and because we were assistant animators... We didn't get to uh, get those credits. So, wow. well, and you also did, and you also did, and you also did uh, Shira as well, yes. right? Because we okay, also, so yes. I didn't do every episode of that. Right. But, well, fun um, yes. fun fact, Dave, uh, Kristen and I are huge Masters of the Universe fans, and Kristen is one hundred percent all about Shira. There you go. <laughs> My she wife is all about it. Sweet. So I was like, yep, filmation. Yep. I, I once again, just another great uh, part of our childhood growing up is those filmation, um, you know, animation Boy, shows for sure. They were great. I, I, I got the privilege of working on the last season of uh, Fat Albert, which was yeah. for me, it was, it was great because the idea of working on it was, you know, yes. it was a wonderful thing. Working on Fat Albert, uh, Lone Ranger. Uh, Brave Star, yep. I can't name everything. We went to a, a reunion dinner last year. We were trying to figure out the names of everything. We couldn't figure out all the names. No, they put out so many shows. Oh, man. We were it, was, it was really something else. I mean, yes. you know, be, between them and Hanna-Barbera, that was Saturday morning. Pretty right? much. It was Saturday morning, period. It was yeah. really quartered. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, did you step away from Filmation to go work on The Secret of Nim? Or Yes, yeah. Uh, I, I was kind of done with um, Filmation. I had been doing live-action music videos, too, because in the 80s, remember, music videos were yeah. just coming out. So I was actually art directing music videos and working in filmation, but then Secret of Them came up. I dropped everything and and uh, got on that movie. Met Vera Lamfer, who is probably the greatest cleanup artist that ever lived. But <laughs> um, we, she taught me the world. She taught me that world 
that leads to Disney. That's the best way yeah. to say that. She taught yeah, me sure. the way to get, you know, the type of artwork you need to be working towards, you know, the way you need to draw, the way you need all of that towards there. So and, it, and, they, well, and they were they were doing it at, uh, on The Secret yeah. of Nim because they had all left Disney to do Secret of Nim. So you That's were working exactly. with a whole bunch of Disney folks. Of Disney folks that I didn't know. And yeah. they were just... And now, you know, as I hear from Jerry Goldman all the time, we're just laughing about how wonderful things were uh, back then. Sure, sure. And then uh, you finished the, the Secret of Nim, and what, how did you get to Disney? How did that all came come about? Okay, here we go. It's another funny story. I, the first time I heard that Disney was looking for uh, workers, follow-up artists, was on Little Mermaid. And um, because, you know, it was crunch time. Crunch time is busy, busy. So I drove to Glendale looking for it and I couldn't find it. <laughs> and at that time, I was with a girlfriend. I wasn't crazy about being with anyway. And I didn't want to start making a lot of money, it's, you know, but that's digressing. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's life. But <laughs> uh, I didn't work on Little Mermaid because I couldn't find it. So a year later, the crunch time for Rescuers Down Under was happening. And I said, you know what? I got to go for it this time. I, I was always terrified of the rejection because when I was eight years old, daddy used to watch me draw at the wonderful world of Disney watching cartoons. And he said, maybe one day you work for Disney, buddy. And I said, no, dad. <laughs> it's in California. We're in Kansas City. That's not going to happen. So those moments caught up with me. As yeah. I, you know, man, it was really hard. It was heavy. I was nervous. Vera was there. So yeah. I, I knew I had a foot in, you know, because yeah. she, we did, I did pretty good at, uh, at Don Bluth's studio for, for that. So I had grown and I was ready. And they picked me up and man, the roller coaster started the day I started. Yeah. Uh, February 1st, 1990. Wow. It's just the roller coaster started. It, I started as a breakdown artist. Yeah, you know, I, I'd, lo I'd love for you to um, talk a little bit about those positions for our listeners. Um, you know, if you could, because I know you, you, were, you were a cleanup supervisor, but most mm -hmm. people outside the industry don't know what that is. Uh, but if you could talk a little bit about what, what a breakdown artist is and then what a cleanup lead and a, and a cleanup supervisor. So okay. have at it. Let's, let's go all the way down. And I'll do it. The best way to do it is to start with my own career. And you can, we can see how that, because my own Disney career. Now we can yeah, see yeah. How so I started as a breakdown artist, which means we are doing in-betweens of all the animation that's been done. You're down to nothing but in-betweens, in-between that wonderful animation that's been done. They have in-betweeners, they have breakdown artists. The breakdown artist will do the, say for instance, you have five drawings, Key's done the first and the last, the breakdown, the assistant's gonna do the center, the breakdown and the in-betweeners will do those three and two drawings, number three and two drawings. So um, the line has already been established, the look has already been established. All you have to do is follow the line and put it exactly where it's supposed to be based on the charts that we read. Uh, that the animators has established because that's how you get the timing working. So 
I was doing interviews on rescuers down under ants forever. Remember, we had scenes with all those ants. And if you remember yeah. that, yeah, I was, yeah. man, I was doing <laughs> that was my yeah. start. And then once again, there was Renee, who would also was also I knew, and she says, I'm working on um this beautiful little lizard, you know, in rescuers down under. Why don't Frank, you come over? Frank, Frank the lizard. Yeah, she says, Why don't you come work on the lizard with me? Because she knew me already. And bam. So that put me in a unit with a character. So I was in absolute heaven at that time. I'm, you know, I was really doing good. Then here comes order that went. Right, we missed um, that. We missed that because you're. They you're, moved me up to assistant animator. We we missed we missed what you just said because there you froze for a moment. We froze. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I after we moved up. To, I moved up to assistant animator after the end of Rescuers. So um, after I moved, I would do an assistant animation. Which, if you go back to those five drawings, I'm doing that middle drawing every time now. I'm working heavy. My folks, my father had passed away in mm. in between. And so I was just devastated because, you know, this whole business, as far as I was concerned, was because daddy in his own way pushed me, you know, towards. But he knew, he knew before he passed that you were working yeah. at Disney. Yeah. And yeah. I signed my contract. And so, boy, did he go to the barbershop and brag when I signed that contract. Oh, <laughs> I would have too. Yeah. Ooh, man. No, he went, well, my boy just he was just in heaven. I love he, that. I love it. I was I was happier for him than I was for me at that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, I moved up to assistant animator and um I was working pretty good, but I was devastated with daddy being gone. So we were working heavy overtime on Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. So I dived into the overtime, but during my overtime hours, I would always go work on the beast unit with Bill Berg and Glenn Keane mm. and, and, and follow up that because he's really hard to follow up. There is no such creature as the beast. So we had to kind of feel our way through it. So he wanted people they believe in. So Glenn got to know me at that time and fell in love with me and then started picking out scenes. He said, Marshall, here, I want you to do this. Scene. I want you to do this. Scene. Wow. Okay. So and, and, and by and by the way, I have to say, like you and Bill Berg were the unsung heroes on on the Beast because if you saw Glenn's rough animation, boy, it is rough, and you guys had to go in there and pick the actual line, you know, that needed to be laid down for the final drawings. Our favorite thing was. It's like looking at a Michelangelo drawing, looking at Glenn's work, but there are lines all over the place. Somewhere in there, the beast is in there. This beautiful beast drawing is in there somewhere. So we have to look for that every every day, all the time. You know what? You know what they say. You know what they say. They say you know once you give a a glance at how the sausage is made, it's not pretty. But by the end of by after you touch it, it is pretty. That's yeah, that's right. I never want to know how they make sauce. So that was us. We were just, it, 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 it just worked. And I was working so much and I gained like 20 pounds because I would have eaten. And Dave, you were there. You remember that. Oh, was, yeah. I, I still have that. I still have that extra poundage. <laughs> you know, because when you're working, when you're working all of this overtime, uh, they're feeding you. They're they're catering, really they're catering the dinners oh. in from all these different restaurants. Hold the phone for a minute. Hold the phone. Because I'm, I, I see you guys animating in the trailers and doing all these things. And I, I see you guys like maybe at the, the snack room, the break room. 
room and like getting a bunch of vending machines. No, you have catering here. This yeah, is oh, yeah, it was catering. serious catering. It yeah. was serious. It, oh. it, it was like the best restaurants in town. Are you kidding Absolutely. me? <laughs> Every night, oh, and I was man. eating and drawing all the time. That's amazing. So, uh, <laughs> so by the time uh, Beauty and the Beast had finished, uh, Bill and Glenn had moved me up to Key and kept me on for the Aladdin when we went to Aladdin. And uh, there I was working on Aladdin again. Now, I'm in Aladdin, by the way. Oh, uh, is there a caricature of you in yeah, there? Yeah, I'm a caricature in Aladdin. I'm one of the vendors chasing uh, uh, Aladdin uh, around. Uh, in the I thought that was you. I thought fantastic. that was you. I thought that was you. I, I, always, <laughs> I have to tell you, I love the fact that throughout those Disney films that we all worked on, there are little caricatures of different artists and and sometimes the directors because Ron and John are caricatured as we put them in all the time, yeah, yeah, uh, in, in crowd scenes and that's things right. like that uh, yeah. in Aladdin. Kurt so. and Gary, we did that with them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we love it. Yeah. yeah, that's what they do. That's what they're for. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we did that. So, and I was happy to be in it and and it was just great but i man i had i kept zooming up this ladder and i and and i was in the right place at the right time and and and, and i gotta say this i gotta back up a little bit dave because disney took me because i was an artist they didn't take me because i was black and I really, really... I, listen, I was just about to say that. I go, it has nothing to do with anything other than your talent. Absolutely. And that's what I loved about these guys. Yeah, that, that like, was it. it. It was only about talent. They didn't care about anything else. It was, no. it was your talent, what you brought to the project and what went up on the screen. That's all that mattered. That's right. And that I love that about it. So I... Aladdin was going great and once again at 9 o'clock at night while I'm sitting there at my desk drawing during the Rodney King riots as a well, matter of fact. I, I remember I, I, yes I remember it was one of that night that night because I remember Emily crying one of the artists she was Emily yeah. Julia, crying and I'm trying to calm her down and because she had to go home I'm like okay and it was nice. well that was I mean that was when security came around and told us to yeah. leave Right, yeah, because that's right. That's right. because the riots were breaking out, and that's they were right. coming, they were coming over the hill, and uh, and they closed the whole facility down. Right, that's absolutely right. Now wow. that day, while I'm working, I got a phone call from Don Hahn, who was in London at the time. Mm-hmm. He said, "Marshall, we want to uh, want to know, we want to offer you your own character on Lion King," and you know, after I picked the phone back up. I, I'm like, okay, Don, please don't play with me. It's too late. <laughs> I love you. You're great. <laughs> but don't tease me like that because this is you're stepping on my pinky toe when you tease me like that. But not only that, he says, we're going to give you a chance. Wanted to do the hyenas because that's what he had offered me. Right. And at that moment, I didn't care. I'm like, you, you just offered me my own character. I'll do whatever. And he had to say, I can't give you the hyenas. And I said, okay. He says, but I can give you, I have a small, two small characters, and it's not going to be the same, but I'm going to give you this character named Rafiki, and I'm going to give you the vultures, who were cut from the movie, of course, but I'm going to give you this character named Rafiki. Don't know what he looks like, we haven't figured out anything. Oh my goodness, there you go. My world changed, once again, completely. Yeah. It, 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 it blew up. I had my own character at Disney, 
I wish Daddy would have been around for that. As I always. Well, let, me, let me ask you this though: uh, Can you explain to to the audience, uh, to our listeners, what uh, a character cleanup lead and like you got your own character? What does that mean? You're working directly with the animator, right? Yes, the directing animator who James Baxter, who did, who was the you know supervisor for Rafiki. I'm directly under him. I'm doing I'm doing the drawings animators rough animation that will be seen on the screen. Yeah. So you're, every you're, drawing I'm doing is seen on the screen. And that's that's cleanup animation, period. Um, you are cleaning up, like, as we laugh about cleaning up the, the Glenn Keane drawings and all, you still have to keep the perfect animation in there. You can't lose Glenn Keane's animation right. by trying to make a print. You have to keep his world and bring it to the screen and not have an ego as you're doing it because yeah. they are your drawings. But you, you, ego has to be out the door. It just, it yeah. just makes yeah. no. Well, you know, I, I think that's true in animation because uh, it's such a team effort. I yeah. mean, you, you know it as well as I do. There, there's three, four, five hundred artists that are working on these movies. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, but to be a supervisor of these characters, it it, 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 it changed my whole life. It changed my whole career. Um, so Rafiki was my, and we went through two animators before we got to James, I think. Mm. Uh, was, was, it, was it just because it was, a, it was a difficult character to try and nail down? Yes, or, it yeah. was because we couldn't figure out, I mean, if you look at that type of, of, of animal, it, it, it's beautiful with the colors and everything, but everything else is kind of stereo. It's pretty vicious, you know? Yeah. And so we have to figure out how to turn that into a pleasing Disney character sure. that the kids will wear and carry on their lunch bag, on their lunch pails, you know? Yeah, so right. we have to try to make it as, as pleasing as possible. So that's when it, the creative process is great because I get to sit with the directors and the, and James and everybody else, and we all come up with what the look is mm -hmm. for Rafiki. And, man. Which is, which to me, it, it, you know, again, it gets back to the fact that this is a team effort and, and, and you do have to leave your egos at the door. You know, you've got all of these great artists together, but you're working as a team, you know, to, to, to create that end product that's going to go up onto the movie screen that the audiences are going to see. I have a question. I have a question, Marshall. Did you know that Robert, yeah. did, you know, did you know that Robert Guillaume was going to be the voice of Rafiki beforehand? Not until he was. We didn't know. We knew he had been cast, but I didn't know who they chose. Um, what was your reaction when? The, what was their? What was your reaction when you found out? My first reaction was, "Why would they hire Benson for this?" <laughs> <laughs> That's my first reaction. Right. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> But he was fine. He came out and he and I laughed about it later on. He just he passed away last year. Yeah. But we had a good laugh about it because I he kept calling me, he didn't call me Marshall, he could call me Michael, and I was getting on my nerves. And, <laughs> but we finally got to, we got to, it was okay. That's awesome. I appreciate Don Hahn, who is uh, my favorite producer. Not that anybody else wasn't a great producer, but I did three movies with Don. He liked the orchestra while they recorded or in front of Robert while he was recording or I got to give it to, to Don. He just, he knew how to get the best out of you. Right. Right. And he was also very even keeled. Yes. 
you know, and I think that was always a, a, a real plus in how he, he worked with the artists. Yeah. He, he was kind of unflappable. He, he, was, he is you know, unflappable. He I shouldn't say was. He I, is unflappable. When we were doing a land, I mean, uh, Atlantis, and we're in Ireland at a dinner, and we're sitting there talking. It was a press conference that, that um, uh, Kirk didn't want to go to. And, and he said, Marshall, you go. I don't want to go. I'm like, okay, I'll so it was great. I loved it. Everybody was private planes and the whole thing. I loved that kind of stuff. That's my world right there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> at the dinner, Don said, you're going to have an interview tomorrow with about 90 different things. And you're going to have 90 different interviewers. And you're going to have to draw uh, Milo every time. I said, Don, I have never drawn Milo. I, I oversaw the, all the characters but I made sure people that could draw Milo would draw him, and I wouldn't have to draw him. <laughs> so at that dinner, on a napkin, Don showed me how to draw Milo. That's how good an artist he was. Oh, he, he's, a, he's a terrific artist. He's a terrific artist. He showed me how to draw Milo, and then that next day, I had to do 92 interviews and draw Milo 92 times. <laughs> wow. Wow. That, that's just <laughs> unbelievable. You know, uh, you you were talking about, um, you know, uh, being a cleanup supervisor. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Because you, as a cleanup supervisor, you're not necessarily drawing every single character to perfection. You're actually managing all of the artists, right? I'm managing all the artists. The, the, the great thing about being a uh, supervisor is I get to make sure that the character has the line that I want. And that's what I love about Tarzan, the movie Tarzan. It, it was hard. It put me in the hospital, but the line, that was my line. How did it, put, you, how, how did it put you in the hospital working on Tarzan? Just, oh man, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's hear that this, story. This, this, the, you know what? Tarzan's the hardest movie I've ever worked on. That's, that's number one. And plus it was the first time I had ever been a supervisor. Oh, of, yeah. And, and when I say supervisor, remember we had what three or two hundred something people in in cleanup animation. Yeah, yeah. And somewhere in Paris, somewhere in Florida, the majority were in were in LA in Burbank. Mm -hmm. yeah. They were mine. They were all yeah. mine. <laughs> and and so I'm wrangling. Who's going to draw this? Who's going to draw that? There's a lot but, of stress. A lot of stress. Yeah, but who's yeah. going to be in this team? But you know, so not only that. It's my first time, so everything's intimidating me. Everything's like, okay, yeah. this is weird. Do they, are they mad at me for that? Yeah, who cares? But I didn't right. know that at the time, you know? Also, I didn't have a fix-it crew, which is the, I made that mistake. And I was doing all the fixes. And um, Leslie Bentavania, she was uh, my production editor. All she would ever do is bring in stacks of scenes and say, fix it. Here, fix it, fix it. And I'm fixing everything. And I had to fire a guy. I had to go to all these meetings. Oh. I, it, it, these, I hadn't thought about all of that. I hadn't thought it all the way through <laughs> of, of being a super. But all of that, it just caught up with me. And I wanted it to be beautiful. Well, this sure. my first movie. Oh, I wanted and it, and it was. I, yeah. I wanted it to be the best thing we had ever done. And, I, and so all of that pressure I was putting on myself. Nobody did this to me but me. Yeah. Uh, at the end... Of almost two months left, I got double pneumonia because oh. I wasn't sleeping. I was uh, I was working. I wasn't sleeping. 
I was drinking. I was eating too much. It was just crazy. Yeah, and yeah. I just overdid it. I completely yeah. overdid it. And um, so you had double, double double pneumonia, and that put you in the hospital. How long yeah. were you in the hospital for? Like a week? <laughs> no, I was in there for like two months. I was really? in there for two months of a movie. Yeah, I didn't wow. come out. I didn't sit and finish the last scene of the movie or anything. I was in the hospital, but I was at the rap party. Wow. Yeah, it just was crazy. And it was, oh. I had to, Michael saw me and, and uh, I forgot one of our other producers was standing there and I was talking to Michael Eisner and I said, ah, I'm tired. I just got out of the hospital and, and this movie put me in the hospital and I was laughing about it. And Michael looks at that, my producer, and I can't remember, I think it was, I don't remember. Anyway. Um, he says, well, why was Marshall in the hospital? <laughs> and then I explain, I did 249,000 drawings and, you know, it was, oh. <laughs> but it just kind of did. But yeah, we wow. ended up doing 249,000 drawings. Yeah. And, and, and you know something, I, I, I think that, you know, we, we all had gotten ourselves into those situations where you, you work yourself to the bone, really. Uh, and you get and, and, and after that happens, you get into you get into the mode of taking care of yourself. You Absolutely, and, not uh, until I got too bad. But and the Tarzan took me out. Yeah. So when Atlantis came, um, and Kirk and Gary says, "Come on, do Atlantis with us," and I'm like, "I gotta do that with you guys. I love you guys." So I Leslie decided to stay with me as production manager. I said, "We're gonna do this one right, and we're not gonna make any any." stressful mistakes and Atlantis was the most fun I've ever had making a movie. Ever. Mm. It was smooth. <clears throat> it worked out fun. You know, we had Kirk Wise on last week and we talked briefly about Atlantis because I, I think it's a very underrated movie mm -hmm. for whatever reason it, it, it has built up. Uh, it was underrated when it first came out, but it, it has built up a big fan base. It, yeah. They have a little, it's a little cult base. There, there's, yeah, they, they love it. And we're all involved. We say hi and, and give our little interviews on that because they just that Atlantis crowd. They want to learn the language. It's, it's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, this year is the 20th anniversary. Later, right. later this year is the 20th anniversary of Atlantis, the Lost Empire, which is pretty yeah. amazing. That is going to be a, I can't believe it's 20 years. Wow. It's great. It's a great I, film. Yeah. Yeah, it's total craziness. Wow. Well, it's been that my Disney years were incredible. I mean, it, it just, I kept moving, rising, you know? Yeah. It, and, and, man. Now, when did, when did you leave? When when did you leave? Uh, I left. Uh, because, were, were you part of that whole, uh, the, the, it was really the transition from 2D to CG and yeah. they when they did the big uh, layoff uh, at the studio? I, I, what year was that? Wow, that's the year. I can only go by the year based on the movies. That was uh, Home on the Range year, whatever, because that was the yeah. last thing we did. That's what was that, 2000, 2004. 2004. 2004 yeah home on the range brother bear home on the range 2004 and then you came back for princess and the frog in 2009 yeah, we came back that, but we had we had left completely yeah uh, after home on the range um i had i had to lay off 92 people <clears throat> in succession all the way through the movie i had to wow. figure out the time and i kept trying to explain to the folks because they're mad at me because you just don't want me here I'm out of here at the end. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. think that, you know. Now, here's what I did. 
When we stopped that movie, that product, that whole thing, we were done. I had Marge Randolph, who was our um, HR person. Our, yeah. I said, Marge, give me a call across the street with somebody. She said, what, what are you talking about? I said, just, I, I told her my idea. She got me a call with the lady that produces uh, the Hunger Games movies. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and, and I can't think of her name right now because I would say it because she's wonderful and, and she, she, I'm on her, she's on my good list forever. I went to her office and she's like, got this, what do you want? And who are you? <laughs> and then I told her who I was. I told her where I've been for 20 years and that we're done. They're transitioning. Yeah. And I said, you know, I don't, I understand that we have to leave, but there are 40,000 uh, working people here. Most of us are artists that have been trained all over these years through Disney. Why would you let us go? She says, well, I think you might be right. She says, let me see what I can do. She got me an assistant art director job on a movie called Sky High with Kirk Russell. Love it. Uh -huh. so, yeah, yeah. That was great. It was a great let go of, of the animation world for a second because it broke my heart that we all had to leave. So, uh was that well, was that Rob, was that Robin Robin Bissell who was the exec producer on Hunger Games? No, it was it's a lady and and um, Susan Collins. Mm -mm. I don't know you're getting close. Anyway, start with an A. What's her name? Oh, uh, one of the co-producers is it uh, Aldrich Aldrich Porter? No, it's a lady. Alvarez, um, Alvarez, Diana Alvarez. No. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just shooting in the dark here with all the A's here. But but you but but that gig uh, that you got, you I mean, certainly you realize there's life after Disney. Of course, there's life after well, Disney. It was important because man, I didn't think. You know, you put 20 years into something, you don't think there's really a lot out there for you. Or what do I do now? I forgot that I could draw and paint and everything. I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there that, that was. So, and sky, um, yeah, and that Sky High. Yeah, and Sky High was kind of like, you know, pre-Marvel. So this was like the yes. the whole, like, we're, we're going to try to do this Disney, you know, fun superhero type of franchise. And if it wasn't for them buying Marvel a couple of years later, who knows where that could have gone. Yeah, it could have turned into absolutely, yeah. and yeah. it was a great little movie. It, I enjoyed it. I designed a lot of stuff on it, uh, including a few sets, uh, which are like just tunnels. I they didn't want me doing any big stuff, but I was having a good time. <laughs> hey, it's a fun <laughs> it film. Great. Yeah, yeah, but but, but but again, you know, it, it's life after Disney, and and yeah. that that is a thing because I think our listeners should know this that you know when you have uh, a run. At, a, at, a, at, the, at the Disney Animation Studio where you could go for decades. I mean, yeah. we, we worked with people who were there for 40 and 50 years, you know? Joe and, Grant. <laughs> right, Joe, Joe Grant and Bernie Mattinson and Bernie? people like that. Yeah. Yes. You know, but, but, you know, if somebody was there for 20 or 25 years or 30 years and then they left or got pushed out into the street, uh, you know, some, some of them didn't handle it well. You know that. Oh, man. Oh, man, no. Ooh, I know a few yeah. that uh, I'm not even yeah. going to get into some of those tragic stories, but yeah. some tragic stories from but, but, because but, that's but, how much we put into it. Yeah, but the the fact is is that there was and is life after Disney Animation, yeah, and I, and wow. there's there's actually more opportunities for those skill sets today than there's ever has been. I think that's absolutely right, and I was worried that we would fall by the wayside. 
And, I, and I'm like, how could you let this American art form fall to the wayside? But we didn't. And later, uh, they kind of called us all for um, Princess because we wanted to do the Beatles thing, get back together and make one great piece. And then yeah. walk away. nobody felt good about um, Home on the Range. We just right. did not. And I, st- I haven't watched it. Since, since yeah, I, yeah. I have no idea. So I, I, even the grandkids, I should try to get them to watch it. Just, but I, I don't worry. Yeah, about you, it. you know what? That nobody, nobody's rushing out to have an, <laughs> an anniversary screening of the movie, right? <laughs> I'll be there by myself, <laughs> Oh my! Now, now I have to see it again. You know, so I just have to revisit it again, just to because I remember going. I remember going to Florida and seeing you know, the team work on Home on the Range um, when yeah. when I would go through the studio tour, and yeah. um, you know that's just it's one of those things you just kind of have to revisit. You know, well, some yeah, <laughs> yeah, someday. But, um, but you know, a, a lot of these films, though, uh, you know, you you kind of you know, leave them behind, but over time. You know, you have to get some distance on some of these pictures. Yes, you yeah. really do. You but really have to. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's been so many pictures over the years that have gone out and didn't do as well as they thought, but then it, they, they had legs. They, mm-hmm. they they really sort of picked up. I mean, look at Nightmare Before Christmas. That didn't there do very go. well when it first opened. Now it's, I, I mean, it's a juggernaut. I mean, with merchandise and Every annual year. screenings and all of that kind Absolutely. of stuff, you know? Absolutely. So, uh, which, which is a amazing but you know you you uh finished princess and the frog and and then what did you do after that <clears throat> light kind of punched me in the gut but that's okay that happens to everybody um i started i got a phone call from a guy because i wasn't just i just kind of stepped away for a year for two years and started working on my fine art which i'm glad i did because it got me back into my fine art but then I got a call from um, a producer that ha- was doing some uh, test animation. Like, let's do a Curious George test for this, see if we can get this job. I said, yeah, I'll come over and do that. Well, I went over and started doing that, but they showed me how to draw on the Cintiq. Ah, yeah. Uh, and that's where the Cintiq came in, and harmony and all of that. So I started learning that uh while I'm doing all these little tests and and it really, really helped. And then comes now, and right now I'm working on um, finishing up uh, Space Jam 2, but um, on Cintiq because the whole thing is on so. Everything's gone that way, but yeah. you know, I think I think we know enough artists that have evolved with the technology uh, over yes. the years. Yeah. Some some yeah. haven't. Some decided that mm-hmm. I don't want to do that, and they've left the industry. But a lot of people have. A lot of us have have evolved and 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 uh, and grabbed onto the technology. Yeah, and I was one that fought it. I mean, when we were at the, at Disney. I'm like, you know what? No, man, we. I was taught to do this from the masters, you know, right. on paper, <laughs> my right? mind Pen- is there. pencil and paper, right? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it, it got me for a minute, but uh, now that I'm working, I've done a whole movie on harmony. It's not bad. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. okay. You, you, you got a handle on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, I I want to talk a little bit about your fine art too, because you've you've uh, really and, and, and 
correct me if I'm wrong, because I think this is probably true of a lot of artists, mm-hmm. that when you're working those 60, 70, 80 hour weeks to try and get a picture finished, your personal work kind of falls to the wayside, doesn't it? Yes. And, Who and, has time? Yeah. Or you don't feel like looking at it, you know? You're, like you're, crea- that you're creatively spent. Yes. You know, uh, by the time you get home, you know, after a 10 or 12 hour day. And Mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is to pick up a pencil and draw again. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, Now um, I've got this fine art kind of thing moving and I don't want to stop the the look, the train. (laughs) Right. right, (laughs) I've got a a portrait uh, of, Abraham Lincoln that's in the museum in Illinois, in the Abraham Lincoln Museum in Illinois. Which is awesome, which is awesome. And by the way, I, I actually saw you, you did a beautiful illustration of Frederick Douglass that I, I that you had posted on social media and, and I was blown away. And oh, I was you, like, man. Marshall Toomey, I go, that's what you've been up to. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. That means a lot. You know, one of the things, think about how talented every artist was at that company. And is. And is to this day at that company. It, 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 so I had to sit by myself for a moment, so to speak, and just kind of get back into my, can you see, are you looking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. Yeah, yeah. One of my pieces right there. I'm just finishing that up right now. Awesome. Like, it, 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 it's... It's taken up, but it helps me now. I can work, and then I can just turn around and just paint because this will relax me now. Yeah, it took me a second to get there, but yeah. now I'm there. So. No, and, and and you know something, I think that was true with a lot of artists uh, is that a lot of times their their personal work sort of took a back seat for for you know sometimes for years uh, before they got that sort of balance back uh, where right. they they there was a there was a pleasurable aspect of just doing your own artwork uh, and and I know for for me personally that happened. And there was a good 10, 10, 12 year gap of, of doing, you know, and it was it really, I kind of point to the nineties. I blame the nineties. I, I blame the nineties for fashion and for uh, not doing my own art because, uh, because we were doing, we did pictures like beauty and the beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Tarzan. I mean, there were, there were so many pictures packed into that decade that we did. And we were all, we were going from one picture to the next. And we were like, we, we were on over, Overtime almost continuously. Continuous overtime. I like yeah. it. Yeah, it was overtime. You know? So, so to me, you know, I, I, as I moved up the ladder, I, I felt like I started to get back a little bit of that free time to do my yeah. own art. You know. Yeah, yeah. that's good because yeah. you can lose it. I, I, yeah. I lost it, and and I wouldn't didn't have time to get back into it, and I'm like I have to make the time. I got to figure out the balance. It took yeah. me a while to figure that life balance and a couple of marriages and everything to get that life balance. Yeah, and everything yeah, figured yeah. Out. You know, it really does. Uh, absolutely, without question. So, what do you what are you doing now with your fine art? You because you do have gallery representation, right? Uh, I yes, I had from London. They haven't done a lot for me. I was a little annoyed. <laughs> I had signed with this London group, and I was very happy about them. 
I haven't heard, but right now I have a piece that's in a show in Laguna. It's an online show. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, uh, everybody's, Everybody, everybody's everybody's adapting with this pandemic, right? I have finished a couple of really uh, nice masterpieces, master art portraits of Kennedy and George Washington that I'm on my way to City Hall with just to see if I can get them up there. So uh, nice, nice. Yeah. So this is the stuff. It's fun, man. It's just it, it's just me and my yeah. art. You know. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's not 240 uh, cleanup artists behind me. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and you don't have that pressure, Yeah, you know, because that, that to me is, uh, it, it, you know, it, it adds to the stress and, and yeah, it, wear, it, it, wear, it wears you down, yeah, you know? Yeah. It really does, you know? What, when you when you think about your career, what what do you look back on and what, what do you what do you point to and say, wow, that, that was an unbelievable experience? Um, Secret and M was a, a life-changing experience because I had I didn't know I could do that type of animation at mm-hmm. that time. Um, I really heavy metal pretty much changed it because I realized I can work on movies. That's what mm-hmm. heavy metal taught me. The heavy metal movie taught me. So that was Rafiki changed my entire life. Bonus check uh, character interviews, uh, articles in Black Enterprise Magazine and all these. I was everywhere after Rafiki. That's a big one for me. That's a very, very, very big one for me. Um, Tarzan, despite everything I went through on it, it was a great moment for my career. It it took that next step for me. Um, Still love the soundtrack to that movie. Isn't it? With Phil Phil Collins. Phil used to walk around in the studio in jeans and t-shirts. So nobody yeah. he'd come sit in my office and eat all my Girl Scout cookies, talk on the phone <laughs> to my wife and walk out. It was very relaxed. He, he was hilarious because I, I remember <laughs> I remember walking down the hall one day and I heard some some talking behind me and I I looked and and, and then I did a double take uh, because I was like Damn, that's Phil Collins. <laughs> he's just wandering around. And because he's dressed so, you know, T-shirt and jeans like the rest of us in the, our uniforms, yeah. he, he couldn't, he blended right in. It well, was just great. truth be told, that's the musician's outfit. You know, I mean, you know, I, when, I, I'm a musician myself, so uh, I laugh about that. By the way, fun fact, Phil Collins and the Tarzan soundtrack, one of maybe three records uh, in pop culture that went to number one for Disney. Went to number one. Yeah, Is absolutely. Right? In the I, Billboard I charts. Yeah, D23. Wow. Yeah, D23 just posted about it not too long ago. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome because there's, I mean, we all think about the soundtrack for Beauty and the Beast and the people Bryson, Celine Dion, and everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. didn't hit number one. Phil Collins and Tarzan hit number one on Billboard. So, but once again, that's just, that's just great. <laughs> that's, and, that's- and also I blame Yeah. And also I blame the nineties for the lack of electric guitar solos since I am a guitar player. So yes, I blame the nineties as well. But 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 yeah. No, I, it's it's good stuff though. I mean, we have so many once again, just so many great films uh under your belt. And uh, man, I, I, I'm a fan of all of them. I know that our listeners are certainly fans to all of them, and I know we we've got a couple questions to talk about, so I'll I'll let you guys kind of 
continue to do things. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was going to ask you, uh, ask you, Marshall, just uh, uh, about uh, the fact that uh, you uh, didn't really did you didn't go to art school, did you? I mean, you went to college. Did you take study art? art you, you know, but, study art. Know. What was your major in college? Art history. Art history. Okay. Well, so your art history. All right. You know, I, I, I buy into that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, but you're basically self-taught. Yes, absolutely. Completely. You know, uh, and, I would say I learned here and there, but everything else is self-taught. Yeah. And you know, the, the interesting thing about that is uh, we had one other guest on, you know, him very well, Mike Gabriel. He's another yes. one who never went to art school. He was self-taught. You know, and, and, and yeah, and and I I find that fascinating. I really yeah. do. I, I I think that's really amazing. That 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 you have to be proud of that. I am, and what I'm proud of is the passion that I had to keep following. That I didn't care about the lack of education if I could figure out how they did it. You know, well, I'm I'm still marveling at the fact that you uh, you left uh, the Kansas City barbecue behind. You know, and that's hard. Out to I Los ordered, Angeles. I ordered, I ordered out here online and just sit out there. I'm gonna say that's hard, man. I used to go to Kansas City all the time, man. The food was outstanding. Yeah, don't play, man. We don't mess around. No. That was the hardest thing I had to do leaving Kansas City was leaving barbecue. So yeah. I order it now and get my sauce out here. That, that, oh, there that, you go. That, that that's amazing, and I think it, it, again, I I think people that are transplants from different parts of the country, there there's those certain things that you kind of crave and look forward to, and try and figure out where can I find that, you know. I gotta have something that tastes like home. I mean, I appreciate yeah. being in California and all of that. But yeah. I gotta have something that tastes like Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Did that's you ever right. think about moving back to Kansas City? Um. Or are you just you too know, entrenched out in L.A. now? You know, I, my blood is thinned out. I get cold really fast. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I, I'm with you, my friend. I'm with you, you know? I can't, I can't do the New York winters anymore. I was going to say, Dave. My brother's like, come home in January. I will not. Come <laughs> <in January. laughs> yeah, right. Let, let me ask you, what, what advice would you give to a young artist who's just starting out. I mean, somebody who maybe is listening to this show, they're in mm -hmm. high school and they're thinking they want to go into animation. What, what would you say to them? I would say passion. Bottom line to the whole thing. It, 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 people say, oh, you're so talented and you're so this. And you know what the talent is? Is the urge to get up every morning and do it and to jump into it all day and give it everything you've got. That's the talent. That's the key is passion. You have to passion and art. You got to yeah. love it, right? You got to love gotta love it. You can't just like this business. You got to love this business because it's going to beat you up like Mike Tyson. <laughs> you, you, you can't you can't just say, I want to be a Disney artist. You know, yes, no, you, uh -huh. you can't just say it. You have to actually work hard at trying to get there. And one of the things, I was one of the uh, cats that would look at the portfolios yeah. all the time yeah. and, and study quote. I did not want to see Disney characters in there. My portfolio, my one to Ralph Bakshi, I had everything in there since I was two years old, I think, in that portfolio. <laughs> but and he laughed about that. But 
my Disney portfolio was nothing but fine artwork, for, for illustration, uh, construction, uh, stuff, drawings like that, you know, not but, painting, but the you know, but they, wanted, they, they wanted to see that you could draw, that you were a draftsman, that you were an Absolutely. artist. They wanted to see the construction of your drawings. That's why they always asked for life drawings. They wanted to see that you could draw. Absolutely. I don't care if you can draw He-Man and, and, and Fat Albert. I don't care about that. I don't right. want to see that. And that was, and I had to say that a few times to a few folks that sent in portfolios. I'm like, don't. Give us stuff with our, our own characters, and we know what our characters look like. Don't try to tell us how to draw them. Don't show us you can draw them better. We want to see that you can draw. Period. And if you can draw, period, we got you. Yeah. So, um, Al John, do we have we have some questions uh, to ask? You got it. Skull Rock Podcast answers your email. All righty, Jeffy D is asking the question here to you. We want to know outside of your 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 character. All right, the outside of of doing Rafiki, do you have a favorite filmation and a favorite Disney character that you enjoy drawing? Yes, uh, filmation. Oh wow, the thing I this is really silly. We did the. I, I usually was working on the villains drawing the villains on he-man was fabulous because they were different every week every time we had a lot of stock footage of, of the main folks so who cared but that the other thing i really enjoyed drawing was quasimodo really there you go yes man and, you know that little ugly guy <laughs> right as ugly as he was we tried to make him cute yeah. And, and it, well, there's a humanity there you put in. Well, I'm sure he was yeah. cute to his mother. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the idea of making him pleasing in a Disney character, that was the greatest challenge I've, that was a wonderful challenge. I mean, the beast was one thing, but making this guy. Yeah. Yeah. We knew what he looked like already. You know, it, it was, that was, that was, I enjoyed that. So that was a, um, a challenge, and, and I did good on it. I accept yeah. that one. Oh, that's great. Awesome. Derek asked a question here. Um, so we love the Disney parks here, and obviously you're very close in proximity to Disneyland. Do you have a particular attraction that you like over there at Disneyland? Not anymore. Um, <laughs> I was a big Pirates maniac, but then after the movie came out, I just didn't need to go see it yeah. anymore. <laughs> I, boy, I bet I, that whoever asked that question is disappointed now. No, no. Hey, look, that, that's great. That's great. Well, and then, of course, my wife, Kristen, being the Disney foodie, uh, wants to know, do, do you have a particular uh, favorite snack or, or Disney food that uh, that that you like? If you were going to the parks or the hotel or anything, is there a particular uh, place or restaurant even that, that you appreciate? Yeah, yeah. So have you ever had any of the candy apples? Oh, absolutely. No, I get one every time I go to Disneyland. And uh, no, candy apples. I love those big, giant, messy, nasty. <laughs> no, that's great. Last question, Alda is asking, what do you feel? How do you feel about Princess and the Frog being kind of like the, lo the love letter to hand-drawn animation for Disney fans? That's exactly what it was. I'm so happy to hear somebody said that because for us, it was, we had to come back and do it one more time. 
just to show that how we do it. This is how we do this, okay? The other stuff we did, the, the later, it just wasn't. But we wanted to do one special. And then we can walk away. I think we can, you know, it, it, it's the Beatles' uh, Abbey Road. <laughs> That's what we did. We did Abbey Road for ourselves. And then we walked away. And, and I'm happy yeah. with that. I, I love the film. I think Princess and the Frog is just so great on so many different levels. Um, so storytelling, levels. animation, characters, uh, just everything. It just harkens back to what what is at the heart of what makes a Disney film. And so the fans love Princess and the Frog, and we're so happy to to have you talk about it. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's one of the, the best, and that's the way to go out as far as I was concerned. That's well, yeah, you, you say the way to go out, but do you, do you think, and, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll just, I'm going to phrase this <laughs> in a way that, uh, I mean, do, do you feel as though um, they could do a, a movie like Princess and the Frog today? Do you think the talent is there? Do you think they, they that they would know how to do a movie like that again? Yes, I do. I absolutely yeah. do. You know, I gotta the talent, say, most, the talent is still there. Yeah, the talent's right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Dave. The bottom line: if anything we have ever done has been story. Yeah. So you know, you get the right story cats working, and we're good. We're good to yeah. go. But it's got to be story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember our first visual of Beauty and the Beast, and and uh, everybody was in the theater. I was sitting behind Roy and Roy Disney. Roy Disney was Michael was there, and somebody uh, Jeff was Jeffrey Jeff Katzenberg probably. Yeah, and he was so annoyed. Jeffrey was so annoyed at our first screen. He said, "Well, we reached the new low," and he got up and walked out. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, what just happened? <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> oh my god! He, but he did that all the time. It's what I came to realize. But, sure. I didn't know that but man, and then we turned it into a movie. We wrote it and rewrote and rewrote and rewrote as we always do in animation. And yeah. It comes out great. And that's always the way, you know, it's, it, it's build it up, tear it down, build it up, tear it down. And every time you build it back up, it's, it's that much better. Yeah, it gets better and better. And then finally yeah. it's, it's wonderful. So, uh, Beauty and the Beast was my first education in everything of, mm-hmm. of how to do a Disney movie. Yeah. Uh, rescuers, I was finishing up, so I didn't get to be involved in the whole process of watching that whole thing. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, well, a lot of great yeah. pictures. Well, uh, I think we're uh, we're at the end of our time. Marshall, it was a blast, Marshall it's Toomey. So it's it was so great having you on uh, the Skull Rock podcast, uh, and and we have more to talk about uh, at, at a future date. I'm yeah, sure, like Space Jam, uh, like Space Jam. We got to talk about Space Jam at some point. <laughs> well, 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 I mean, we're, I, gonna, well, we're gonna have to talk about Space Jam when it comes Space Jam Two. Yeah, because I'll say stuff. You guys know me. I say those. I'll say whatever I feel like saying. Spoilers, spoilers. No, no, no. Let's wait until Space. Jam 2 comes out. <laughs> How's that? I'll come back and do that. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, well, because man. because one was, thing because one thing our listeners cannot see is the fact that he's got the Warner Brothers animation tribute to Mel Blank right behind him. I can see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I see I it. I, yeah. I was looking at that. It's like I know that piece of art because my I know that piece of art. I know that's the Mel Blank tribute. And so yes, yes. we're gonna have you and Tony Bancroft come back because I know he's working on Space Jam 2 as well. Yeah. So yeah. yeah can't Alrighty. wait. 
All right, Marshall. Thank you so hey, much. Thanks for thanks, being on the show. Al, really appreciate it. So Gr- much. It was great it. seeing you. You look fantastic, and I See look you, forward to seeing you in person at some point. Uh, Anytime. We'll do that soon. after this pandemic is over. There you go. You know? I can't wait. Maybe for the Atlantis thing. Come to that. Man. There we I'll go. Where we are. All right. Okay. You All right, guys. guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. All right. You're the Bye-bye. best. Appreciate it. Your attention, please. <laughs> now loading on track number one. For a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your Main Street to the world of Disney. Well, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Uh, Marshall Toomey is fantastic. He And he's such a great artist. I, I'd really encourage some people uh, that are listening, if you're interested, just, just Google Marshall Toomey and take a look at some of his artwork that's online. Yeah. It's, it's fabulous. He's a great artist, uh, good friend. Uh, somebody who's been in the business and knows, knows his stuff, you know? Well, there's once again, you know, much like the music that provides a soundtrack for our childhood, all these guests, you know, um, like Marshall is a, is probably part of the tapestry that makes us who, who we are, what we love. Um, starting with heavy metal, just going all the way back to that and the filmation, you know, stuff that, that he was involved in all the way through the Disney era. Um, just once again, just great stuff. So it was great having him on the show. It, it was. And, you know, we've got some great guests coming up, uh, Al John. Um, next week, we've got Max Howard. Oh, now, wow. This is going to be a great interview. Uh, Max is going to be uh, at our green room studio facility in London. What? Yes, he's going to be in London and he's oh, going to be on with us here with you in Nashville and me in Los Angeles. Oh my goodness. Uh, Max was a studio chief. He's a producer. I mean, holy mackerel. I I mean, my friendship with Max Howard goes back to uh, the Who Framed Roger Rabbit days. I can't believe oh, when you uh, mentioned that you got Max to come onto this program, I just about fell out of my chair. So yeah, no, it's going to be really terrific, and and we've got some great talents uh, uh, booked uh, in the coming weeks. So I'm hoping people come back and and visit us. Well, speaking of great people coming back, we do want to um, say our shout out to some of our great supporters on the program. Once again, uh, you want to donate to the show because we it's made possible by people like you, our listeners. Feel free to check out anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast to support the show every month. We would like to give our thanks to Lindsay, Charles, Spencer, and Joshua. Thank you so much uh, for that. And once again, uh, check out our link there on Anchor if you want to donate to the show. And uh, once again, Dave, I want to encourage our listeners to keep on emailing us or posting on social media, DMing us with any question um, whatsoever, regardless of whether it's uh, for one of our upcoming guests or our guests on the show or Dave or myself about Disney and pop culture, films and animation, feel free to email us aljohn at skullrockpodcast.com or dave at skullrockpodcast.com. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Al John, when we get questions from our listeners, we are asking our guests those questions. Yeah. So, yeah. so just uh, realize that. And they're delighted to answer those. I mean, just look at look at what happened here. I mean, this is just great when you when you have Marshall answering those questions. And once again, uh, also big thanks um, once again to uh, Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com, uh, Disney Dorks as well for allowing us to continue to post and and promote the show on all their platforms and on social media. So thank you for that as well, Dave. Any final words? 
Well, you know, uh, as I always say, peace and love to everybody. Go out, have a fantastic week ahead, and uh, be kind to one another. Have a great week, everybody, and we will see you next time here at Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List Podcast, as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast, here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. I'm Kristen Hetzel, vacation planner, world traveler, Disney foodie, and theme park fan. I'm Al John Go. I'm the husband who's also Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel Comics fan. And together, we host the Disney List Podcast. Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks, films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10 list, rankings, and more. That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. You can even stream us on Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook. The Disney List Podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.